Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role, and ultimately we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. Today on the show, we have Jason Mack, a director, writer, and actor. A Father's Legacy is his feature film directorial debut. He began storytelling as an actor in Atlanta and many shows, and after moving to Los Angeles, he noticed actors were a single piece of the greater puzzle. Jason began looking for and creating projects to be more involved in the entire process, calling this his film school. Jason directed numerous shorts, which played at festivals across the country, such as the Los Angeles International Shorts Festival. The shorts varied in length and tested and honed his filmmaking skills. From there, he knew it was time to make the jump to features, enter a father's legacy. Jason, it's an honor to have you here today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely glad to have you. So have you always wanted to be a storyteller? I mean, how did you uh, how did you end up where you are now? I think so. I think if I really look back and like look at how I was impacted by stories, and that was the thing with me was I remember from a, a young age, always being really impacted by film and TV, whether it was like escapist or bringing out emotions. And it just impacted me a lot. And I grew up in the South where, you know, probably like emotions aren't really a thing that a lot of men are, are really supposed to feel or at least share or definitely show. And that wasn't like a, a message that, that is verbally communicated, but it, it's just kind of, I think a little cultural and uh, especially from the older generation. And so it was always interesting to me when I would watch film or, or, or TV and how, how invested I would get and how it could like bring me to tears, you know, and, and, and how I learned like it was, it was okay. It's okay to feel. So you just knew that that, that was something that was important to you. And uh, I agree. Uh, I think that one of the, the biggest issues that men have is, is they don't express their feelings enough. And it, it is something that's taught at an early age, especially, like you said, here in the South. But uh, I, I think that they're important to share and express and know how to, to do that from a healthy perspective. So when you started realizing that the storytelling was something that was impactful, how did you decide that you wanted to get involved? It was probably really years later because it's not a normal thing to to be like, oh, I'm going to be an actor and I'm going go to go to Los Angeles or whatever. But I do remember, I think I was in my, I don't think, I was in high school and I had spent most of my youth wanting to be, wanting to be a professional tennis player. I was big into tennis and, um, and I was pretty good. But, you know, I got to about like 17 or whatever and I was like, I mean, if we're being realistic. I'm, I'm not good enough. Like this wasn't what I was put on earth to do. I worked really hard, but I'm not a professional tennis player. And, um, and I was like, I didn't even want to go to college. I was like, mom, I want to go to New York and like be an actor or whatever. I didn't even know what that meant. And uh, of course she, she was smart and I, I think she kind of manipulated me into going to see some colleges, knowing that once I got there, I'll be like, oh, this is cool. And I did. And I, I went to uh, Wofford College, great school in South Carolina, and I played tennis there a couple of years. And it was, it was a wonderful experience, got a degree in finance. And uh, in the back of my head, I probably wanted to do like theater, but I was, if I'm being honest, I was probably too scared. Right. Um, because that's off on, on a ledge there. And I'd always been an athlete. So I kind of use that as an excuse. And then after school, 
um, you know, got a job. I was the sales director for a microbrewery, um, RJ Rockers. I went up and down the East Coast selling beer uh, to restaurants and grocery stores. And after about two years, I, mean, I was working hard. I was like, I'm not that big into future planning. But I was like, what do I want to be doing in five years? Do I want to be doing this? And ultimately, I was like, I don't want to be doing this exact same thing in five years. I've always wanted to tell stories. I don't necessarily know what that entails, but I really appreciate how I'm impacted so much by film and TV. So I started doing uh, auditions for student films, anything and everything, and, and or independent films. And, and I did some really bad stuff there for a couple of years. I mean, just, I didn't care about the script. I was just like, just put me in front of camera. Let's see what happens. I never had any training. And after doing that for a year, I quit my job. I booked like a feature in Atlanta. So I went and slept on a, a, a busted air mattress that kept deflating through the night. Um, and then I went and lived at home for a year after that and uh, just tried to do as much stuff as I could. And that was kind of my evolution into it of, of I don't want to wake up one day and feel like I could have done something. I, I'd rather go out there, give it a try, find out if it's not for me. Um, and, uh, and here we are today. I think that that's number one. I applaud you for taking that path because there's so many people that, you know, they've got passion and they know that there's some sort of purpose that they need to be fulfilling, but they're not willing to take the risk. They're not willing to put themselves out there. So, you know, just for stepping out there and trying, realizing this isn't what I was made for and I need to pursue that, that passion that's in my heart that I know that I was created to do this. I'm going to go after it, even if it means sleeping on that deflating air mattress. I've slept yeah. on one of those before. It's not fun. It's, uh, you're constantly being woken yeah. up in the middle of the night. But it's awful. You did whatever it took in order to take that next step. And now you are you know, in the middle of making your dreams come true. So that's very exciting. And uh, so you you take that leap of faith. And once that starts to happen, you're, you're getting into these roles. Uh, what did you, what did you think about it at that point? I mean, it was, uh, after I, my year at home, it was just like my free internship. I had a sleeping bag in my car and I would go wherever and I would go to shoots and I didn't know where I was sleeping that night. And I would just hope that someone, uh, was going to let me sleep on their couch or their, or their, or their floor or whatever. And after a year of that, I got an agent in Atlanta because I knew that was a great market. And I also knew it, was, it wasn't quite the big pond that Los Angeles is. And um, there potentially could be some more opportunity. So I went there without an end date. I just knew, I said, hey, when I feel like I'm not creatively satisfied anymore, like I'll know it's time. And so I got there and I had a wonderful agent. Um, and, uh, and I finally, you know, I booked a few gigs. I was on like, my first real gig was the Vampire Diaries. Um, which was crazy. And uh, I remember I was so, so nervous um, to be on that set. And uh, I booked a few like little movies and, and, and TV shows along the way. But I remember I booked this J.J. Abrams show, um, uh, Revolution. It was where like the power goes out, right? It was, I think it was only like two seasons or whatever. And so I was in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is one of my favorite cities. And I remember sitting on this set. They'd taken over like UNC Wilmington or whatever. And I was like, man, this is really cool. And I was just like talking to one of the the lead actresses and she was so kind. And and I was like, this is a phenomenal experience. And I remember sitting there and I was like, I am not creatively satisfied, which was was weird, right? Because just booking a gig is cool. 
And, um, and I knew in that moment, I was like, it's time. I was like, it's time to leave Atlanta and go to Los Angeles um, for the roles that I want to do. And uh, so after two years in Atlanta, I went to L.A. And, um, and L.A. is a tough city, but that's also, as an actor, I never was working as much as I wanted. Um, and I always wanted to direct because I, I, an actor is a small piece. And, and as actors, we think we're like it. You know, it's like, well, that's our face on camera. We're everything. But when you really start pulling back the curtain, it's like the lighting, the sound, the sound you add after you shot everything, the way you edit it, the music you put to it, um, and then being able to use the actors off of one another. Because as an actor, you can't tell the other guy like, hey, can you come at me like this? Like, that's like, you cannot do that. And and so it was it was like, you know what? I, I can't wait for an opportunity. I just need to start kind of creating some of my own stuff. And that's when I started doing shorts and learning the filmmaking process. I never had a formal education. Um, I just tried to soak up what I could. Um, and I love, I love having control of all the pieces um, and using it to form a, a kind of a clear vision, right or wrong, a clear vision. All right. So from that standpoint, you came up with the idea of, of a father's legacy. It was birthed in pain. Yeah. And tell, uh, tell us about that a little bit and, and kind of how you came up with it. Yeah, I mean, and it's kind of like two roads that kind of met because I was at the point where I knew I wanted to make a feature, right? Like I had done the shorts that I had planned on doing that as kind of practice um, and also acting in a short that I was directing to make sure I, I had the, the capability to do that. Um, and so I knew that professionally and then my father passed unexpectedly. And, um, and that was just a... a you know, I mean, I love my parents. They were, they were so good to me. And, um, my father was just, he was a guardian. Right. And so like anything I needed, I knew I could call him and be like, Hey, and that doesn't mean he didn't necessarily want me to be like a banker or something. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like this, like perfect full house relationship. You know what I mean? Like we're real people. And, um, and, and, but he was gone. And I remember, I remember standing outside the room and we were fortunate enough where we were, we were able to say goodbye to him. He wasn't able to say it to us, but we were able to be in his presence. And, and I remember being outside the hospital room that day talking to the ICU nurse. And I remember just being like, I just know it's going to be different. I just feel like something in me is changing. It's, it's a before and after moment. And, um, and, and so through that process, I think there was a few months where things were just a little foggy. And I think I was you know, I wasn't accepting that I was grieving or mourning, right? Because you just kind of got to carry on, you know, and I'm in Los Angeles. So it didn't affect my day to day. It wasn't like I was like, oh, I'm coming home to an empty house. And I was like, no, like, I, got, you know, a couple of weeks later, I got on a plane and it was like day to day. My life wasn't any different. You know, I just couldn't call one person and talk to them. And as I started coming out of that, I was like, man, like, what does a father mean to me? Because father son stories had always had a big impact on me. And that relationship. And that was where it came out of, you know, how can I tell this story and, and kind of say, what does a father mean to a son? But also, what does a son mean to a father? Right. It goes both ways. And and that's where this film was birthed out of is that exploration of, of my reflections on that relationship. And, and then, like the movie's not my story, right? It's not like it's, it's a fictional story. That is not my upbringing. You know, I didn't rob any warehouses or anything or, or get chased by the law. But, you know, that was the vehicle where I was like, I think we can explore some really cool stuff here with some cool characters. These aren't going to be perfect characters. They're going to be very, very flawed. 
Well, the the story itself is, uh, I think it's it's a unique story, and it's also, you know, there's there's some grace in the story, there's redemption in the story, and ultimately there is that father figure for you know your role didn't have the father figure in place, and then you know he didn't have his son, so he was able to, you know, y'all y'all were both there for each other in a time of need, and it's it's a great story. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And so from that standpoint, you've got faith, you've got relationships, you've got you know responsibility, all of these different things meshed in. Uh, was that something that, that you were intending from the beginning? I mean, how did all that get, get wrapped up in it? And, you know, that question is, is really interesting because so I wrote this thing in like 2017. And we shot it in 2018. So, I mean, we're almost three years later, right? And over the past year, as I've been delivering the film and, 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 and revisiting it a lot, it's, it's crazy to me how much my soul is really in that film that I didn't even realize at the time. There's things in just through that process, uh, as hopefully as we continue to explore ourselves, as human beings, is I've learned about myself in the past couple of years that I didn't even realize at the time. And so whereas I was going in exploring that father-son relationship and forgiveness and grace and that concept of legacy and impacting others. And, you know, I come from an athletic background. So I've had a lot of coaches along the way who, you know, I look at as almost father figure, you know, or now that I'm a little bit more into like some business endeavors too, there's people I look up to. It's, 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 you know, like a mentor, like a father figure. So it's not just like the biological by blood father. And, um, you know, so those themes I knew I was, I was exploring, but now it's like looking at these of, of, you know, like what is my identity, you know? And, and I think it, it was, I'm looking back on it and I'm like, man, it's not as, it wasn't as conscious four years ago as, as I'm aware of it now, but it's this guy who, because he didn't know his father, he didn't know who he was or he didn't accept who he was. And knowing that, that like, you have to be able to look in the mirror. And before you can really, I think, achieve anything in a relationship, professionally, whatever, you have to be able to look in the mirror and love the person looking back. And if you're going to, you know, this whole concept of like, well, I'll work on myself first. It's like, you'll never, you'll never get enough done. You have to accept the person looking back first to take a step forward. And, um, and I think that was, you know, something that I didn't realize at the time that was being put a lot into the story. But looking back, I'm like, yeah, it was definitely a part of me. I have no idea if I answered your question or if I just rambled, but <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. No, it was good. And so from that standpoint, uh, had you always, or was this something that you figured out over the, the process? I mean, have you always had a strong faith or that was just something that through this process with your dad that you wanted to incorporate uh, to grow in? I mean, because the Bible is the central part of it, one of the central parts of this movie. So tell me about that. I mean, I think like, you know, and being brutally transparent and vulnerable and honest is like, uh, I don't have my faith figured out. And what I mean by that is uh, I know there is a God and I believe in Jesus Christ and I'm, I'm daily trying to improve that relationship and what that means to me. But along the way, there's ebbs and flows, there are peaks and valleys. And, you know, and I think it's, it's, to me, it's important to know that like, I am loved, 
even when I'm not perfect, which is all, all the time, it, it's like I'm loved and I'm redeemable. And even though I make these mistakes and some of us make bigger mistakes than others, like let's be honest, like from a worldly point of view, some mistakes are worse than others. And, uh, but it's like, I am capable of redemption. And it's like, I can't punish myself and, and go put myself in, in essentially purgatory, which is what the old man is doing at his cabin. And he's, he's essentially punishing himself. And like, that's not the, the God that I believe in. That's not what he wants for me. He wants me to acknowledge what I've done and answer for it if necessary, if, if it's needed. And then he wants me to move on and go on to the next thing. Otherwise, we get stuck like this old man at this cabin. So, you know, that whole part of the faith was, I just think it's real. You know, I mean, there, there's some, I guess, some prayer warriors I met out there, but I'm like, man, I, I struggle to sit down there and pray for 30 minutes every day. Like, and, 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 and folks who do, and I'm like, props to you. It's like, it's not an easy thing for me, you know? And so I just wanted to be realistic with that. And I know a lot of faith-based movies, uh, you know, kind of seem to present that a little bit more. There's a character that's a little bit less flawed. And I'm like, I mean, I'm going to be honest, the people that I know, they're not, they're, they're flawed. Like it doesn't come easy. And I see them on Sunday and I see them on Tuesday. And sometimes there's a conflict, but you know, that doesn't necessarily make them bad. Right. We're getting deep. Yeah. I like it. So first of all, I, I love what you said that, that you are redeemable and, and in the eyes of God, we are all redeemable. And because of his grace, because of his love, because of his mercy, there is always opportunity for a, a better tomorrow. There's always opportunity for a better today, you know, regardless of where we've been or what we've done. And, and your character gets to experience that, you know, when somebody had been shown grace and then they show grace to you in that role because I mean, he could have easily said, you know what, you're you're going to be labeled as this mistake that you made. And now you're going to permanently pay for this mistake. And I think that's what God does. God doesn't look at us and say, I'm going to define you by your worst day. He says, there's always grace. There's always love. There's always mercy. If you'll come to me and, and just tell me what's going on. I already know uh, this guy did not know, but but God always knows. And he just wants us to come to him and say, hey, this is what I've done. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And it, it's it's done immediately. And so I do think that that is uh, reality. There are a lot of people that, that A, don't know that or B, they they maybe know that, but they they don't know how to walk it out. And so I do think that that is uh, I mean, it is very real and transparent. And I, I know for me, that used to be a, a big struggle as well. Sunday, like I was one way and then the rest of the week, like I'm living for me. And then I'd come back on Sunday and then I'd, a lot of times I'd be down at the altar again and then I'd just rinse, repeat and keep doing it. I'm like, why, why do I keep going through this cycle? Finally, I realized I need to do this on a daily basis versus just making it a one day basis. And that's when, you know, things really started to change for me. But I think that it is, it is a process for everybody. And, and I think that depending on where people are in the process, you know, I think the movie can really speak to them. You know, that just opening up that Bible and, and looking in there was kind of, I mean, in his prayer at the beginning, you know, 
I don't even really know what I'm doing. I don't even know if I'm just talking to, you know, just talking to myself. I mean, he, he didn't yeah. know what to do. And I think there, there are a lot of people that wrestle with that faith. They want faith. They want a relationship with God and they want to know Jesus Christ, but they, they don't know how to do it. So I definitely think that, uh, that that is a, a raw take on Christianity in, in a lot of cases. Yeah, for sure. So from that standpoint, um, you know, speaking of last person that you would think of being in a faith, <laughs> faith film. Uh, so how, how did Tobin Bell get involved in the movie and, and what was that like for him? You know, what's funny is, is uh, so the trailer just dropped and, um, and so I'm doing the, the thing that you're not supposed to do, which is go read the comments. Um, and everyone's like, this is like a prequel to Saw. And uh, he's teaching his son how to be the next Jigsaw. And I find it really funny. But the way Tobin came about was one of the smartest decisions I made. And, and I can't take full credit for this. I think it was, there was some, definitely some, some influence and from a higher power. But I got a casting director, uh, Matthew Sefik. And we're like, you know what? let's, let's just, let's, let's shoot for the skies and let's just put out something in LA and see if anyone would be interested because this is not a paycheck job. Like they could make more going and work in a week on a TV show and way more. So we sent out this list of like who would be potentially interested. And so we got this long list back with some surprising names and, and he was on there and I was like, Oh man, that'd be really, really interesting. And, uh, and I started watching some more of his stuff besides just the Saw movies. And his voice has just this gravity, this weight to it. And, uh, and we were fortunate enough to have get a meeting set up. And so I remember I went down and we were at this like this restaurant right near the ocean. It was, you know, it was definitely like kind of a Hollywood moment. And I remember sitting there and I'm like, you know, I'm not crazy. I know this is not me like figuring out if he's right, like. He's figuring out if he can trust me with this. And um, and right off the bat, we kind of click. And, you know, he's obviously older and he's lived a lot of life. But it's such a different role for him that I think a lot of people don't approach him with. Um, but there was also things in his life that made this script resonate with him and be willing to come and spend uh, a couple weeks in small town South Carolina to come shoot this movie. But one thing I will say about Tobin is like, he was meant for this role, like no one else, you know, like he was the guy and he worked so hard on this role and every, he wanted to make everything as good as it could be, whether it was like questions about the script, about motivations, like showing up. I mean, this dude was working and, um, and he was such a great guy to be around. Like I can't speak highly enough of him and what he brought to the film and what he brought to that character. And so we're just so fortunate to have had him. And I'm so excited that people are going to be able to see him in this role because it's just so not what he's known for. It is a polar opposite of uh, Jigsaw <laughs> for sure. There's no doubt. No doubt. So where in South Carolina did you guys film? We shot in my hometown of, uh, oh, wow. of Sumter, South Carolina, technically right outside of it, um, actually on my family's property. So we own a pond house. Okay. And, um, and so we shot there and I wrote this film, this film to me, you know, this is, this is my love letter to my father. Right. And I was like, I'm smart enough to know how this business works. 
and you can wait a long time for someone to give you permission or money to make something. And I was like, I'm going to write this in a way where if I have to, uh, I'll go shoot it for $10,000, which is nothing. And, um, and so I wrote it around locations that I knew I could get and a place that I knew would be supportive um, with a community I knew would be supportive. And so many people were in that community um, from financial investments to, um, to food, to lodging, um, to locations. I mean, it was, it was, it was amazing. And um, because I knew that I could get it done there. Well, it definitely turned out, you know, extremely beautiful. And, and that's awesome that that's y'all's property. Uh, how cool is it to, to film a, a movie on your own property, especially a love letter to your dad? You know, the cool thing is, is like at the end of the film, there, there's a picture of, of my father and he's holding, you know, he's in his, in his dad jeans and he's holding this, this fish and he's, he's standing in front of the pond that we shot out, you know? And, and, and so it's like, you want to talk about authentic and real? It's like, there was no other option. Like, there's nothing fake about this. Like the feelings, the emotions, like it's, it's just steeped in authenticity. There's just no other way to go about it. So are you excited about the, the finished project? Oh, yeah. I mean, I truly believe we absolutely made the absolute best film that we could with the resources and the circumstances that we've had. I mean, would it have been nice to have 10 million more dollars or something? Sure. <laughs> you know, but uh, like John Carrington, our DP, just shot it. I mean, it looks like National Geographic. I mean, just shot it and colored it so beautifully. I mean, the, the actors, all of them, the performances were just amazing. I mean, it's just like, I'm so proud of everyone that worked on the film, the entire team, which was so important um, because I was wearing so many hats. Um, you know, uh, our producer, John Lurchin, like helped so much to allow me to direct and act, which is already biting off a lot. Um, I'm so happy with the film. And now it's, this is kind of this surreal experience because it's been mine for like four years. And pretty soon, it's not in a bad way. It's not going to be mine anymore, right? It's going to be yours. It's going to be whoever sees it, whether it's in a theater, in their home, like this story will belong to them now and what they take from it. And I'm really, really excited about that. That's great. And when does it come out in theaters? June 17th at 7 p.m. across the country. We're doing a release with Fathom Events. It is a one night only showing. And, um, and you can go get tickets at fathomevents.com. Check it out. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, uh, it's been a wild year just with the pandemic and everything. And, um, and, and I think as strange as it is, like it's almost kind of led to this. And so we're really excited to be in theaters and to have people, uh, gather with others and, and, um, and see this film and experience it on the big screen because I did not think that was going to happen. Well, I know that's got to be really exciting. And, you know, I would love to see it on a larger screen. I watched it on a laptop. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So watching the, the pre-screener and, yeah. um, and it was still a really good movie, but you know, it's, I, I like bigger screens. Nothing uh, beats, you know, it's like, I always talk about the screen, but you know, the thing that I've really started noticing now is, is just the sound. Right. Is you just get submerged in the sound. And it's, uh, you know, I mean, you can buy a big, big TV for your living room, but I mean, to really do that sound system's next level. And that's, that's, that's where it's just, it gets so submersive. Right. So what's next for you? That's the great question. Um, I'm reading scripts right now. I'm actually, you know, interestingly enough, I'm, I'm exploring the horror genre too. 
And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I've got something to say there. And uh, I think it's a fascinating genre that, that like there's certain things you can do that you can't necessarily do and with some other things, but, um, but I'm open and, and seeing what strikes me next. I do know that whatever it is, it just has to mean something. You know, it has to mean something. That's good. Well, I definitely think that that meaningful art is better than just putting something out there just because. Yeah. So from that standpoint, how can people learn more about you? Uh, the best way is going to be uh, through my website, which I, I just kind of came up with. But um, I plan on just kind of putting my thoughts there and what's going on. But it's imjasonmack.com. I am jasonmack.com. Otherwise, I'm not on social media. So I'm, that's it. Old school. All right. All right. So go to imjasonmack.com if you want to learn more about Jason. And it's been an honor to have you here today. Uh, we hope that, that if you've enjoyed this episode, that you will like and share. Check us out on Facebook, Living Life on Purpose, and then also Living Life on Purpose Always on Instagram. And we appreciate it. And we'll see you again in two weeks. Oh,